them up. I have in my hand the powerful Word of God. It can change lives, save souls, bring healing to weary bodies. Lord, today, speak to me in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, the victory is in Jesus. Start a new series today. Tempted. I just love this graphic, don't you? Got the little horns on each end. Reminds me of a, one of the three sons I used to have at my house. I'll let you pick which ones that fit. Actually, it fit all of them at one time or another. One a little more often than the other two. I think that one of them was scared and the other one learned too much. But we begin a new series today called Tempted. And during the series, I want us to learn how to navigate some of life's most dangerous temptations. And today, I want us to talk about the temptation of addiction. And I know there's a lot of stigma attached to the word addiction. And today, I want to ask if we can just make this a place of openness and honesty. I think, I hope that we'll all admit that every one of us, at least at times, struggles with the temptation to give in to our addictions. Whether they're big addictions, normally we think, when we hear the word addiction, we think of big ones, like drug abuse and alcoholism, gambling. And then we don't really get too excited about some of those that are a little less and more hidden, like eating disorders, and watching too much television, or even the dreaded pornography. We all deal with temptations, and we all deal with addictiveness. I saw a study recently that listed the 12 most common modern addictions, and I thought it would be fun for us to kind of look through those. And I know I saw myself in a few of them. Maybe you'll see yourself. Let's go ahead and start those. Number 12 on the list was gambling. Now, you know you have a problem gambling if you've already elbowed your neighbor and said, hey, I'll bet you five bucks I know what number one is. <laughs> you just might have a problem with gambling. Number 11, exercise. This one surprised me a little bit. You know, there are actually people who exercise too much. Now, I don't know about you, but Geneva and I have coined a phrase, Hallelujah Thursdays. We work out at the gym from Monday through Thursday, and Thursdays are Hallelujah Thursday because that means we're off till next Monday. <laughs> if we can survive Thursday till 10 in the morning, we're good to go. I think I'm keeping Ben Gay in business. Number 10, cosmetic work. Teeth whitening, tanning, plastic surgery. I mean, some people tan so much they look like a piece of leather. It's not healthy. Number nine, and I'm not sure why this is on the list, but there's caffeine and coffee. Really? That's an addiction? 
I see it more as a necessity. <laughs> Number eight, media, TV. I had a preacher I worked with and he said coffee was the bitter gall they offered Jesus on the cross. <laughs> I said, yeah, you're not even right with God. Anyway, media, TV, and video games. Those are distractions that a lot of people use in life. Number seven, this might hit some, shopping. Some don't have it. Some do. We keep getting boxes at, at our house in the mail. I don't know. How, and when I ask, she goes, I don't know how that got ordered here. Number six, Internet and technology. Can you just... Not wait to get up to get connected. First thing you do, what do you do? Facebook. See what you missed overnight. Here we go. Number five, smoking, nicotine. 71 million Americans are addicted to nicotine in one form or another. That's a lot of people. Number four, it's kind of a new one on the list. Sex and pornography. Studies show that 8% of men, 3% of women are addicted to sex and that pornography and those of, that are on the internet every day, 60% of them visit pornographic websites on a regular basis. Number three, food. That's a growing one, overeating, anorexia. They say the fastest growing problem is bulimia. Overeating can be a huge coping mechanism. I'm a living proof of that to get through tough times. Number two, alcohol. 19 million Americans last year looked for help with alcoholism, looking for treatment. And number one, drug abuse. That includes heroin and marijuana. It's interesting, cocaine addiction has gone down, but prescription drug addiction is through the roof. And we have states like Colorado and Washington, I think, or Oregon, one of them, that legalized it when it's a, a federal law against it. It, it. it makes no sense to me. And now they're wondering in Colorado why it's affecting so many families and why young people are getting addicted to marijuana. Well, let's just put condoms by their bedside. I mean, they're going to have sex anyway, right? Let's just, let's just make sure it's protected. Hmm. Second Peter chapter two, verse nine, our, our first verse in your outline. Take a look at that. Grab your notes there. Peter talks about addiction and he says, talking to people who are addicted, he says, they are slaves of what? Destructive habits. Underline that word, destructive habits. But then draw a line out from it and then put addictions on that line. That's what an addiction is. It's a destructive habit. Then he goes on to say, For man is a slave of anything that has conquered him. Now those are powerful words. Peter's saying here that an addiction is a destructive habit that has enslaved you. It's conquered you. 
You've surrendered yourself to it. You've given up control. And I want you to think about that for a minute. And that's why in the series called Tempted, we're going to talk about temptation. Today, addiction. That's just one. It's not the temptation that's the problem. It's the giving into it. It's the yielding to it that becomes the problem. Oh, man. I don't know how many billions of dollars will be spent today on a football game that nobody really cares about the two teams. Deflate gate. Really? You're going to get so upset about a deflated football? I saw the new trophy. If New England wins, the trophy's going to come out instead of a football being on top, it's a deflated ball laying on top. Really? Richard Sherman, the best defensive back that uh, in a, in, they say in the NFL, arguably in the NFL. Pretty good player, no doubt about it. Well, his girlfriend's going to have a baby, maybe today. Maybe, not for sure, but maybe today. So somebody suggested that if he was a real man, he would skip the Super Bowl and be with his girlfriend at the in labor and delivery. Really? He gets paid to be at this game. $40 million a year. Now, I know he's struggling. I mean, Brad's is every bit as good an athlete as Richard Sherman. There ain't no doubt in my mind. And I know Brad would go for two million. He wouldn't worry about the forty. Fair enough, brother. Two million, you could do it. Oh, sister, quit coaching, wouldn't you? I'm done. <laughs> hmm. Got a definition there for you in your outline. Addiction is the surrender is to surrender oneself to something habitually or obsessively. To surrender oneself to something habitually or obsessively. Now there's two things I want you to know about that. Not, this is in your outline. First of all, addiction is not passive. Just write that down somewhere. Addiction is not passive. It's not something that just happens to you. At some point, you make a choice to get involved in that addiction. At some point, you you do that. You make that choice. And there are consequences that you suffer based on the decision that you made. Secondly, notice that an addiction is essentially a destructive habit that has become so entrenched in your life that now it's not easy to get rid of it. You ever had a stray dog follow you home? And you feel compassion for them and so you feed them? What happens? They never leave. They never leave. They want to stay. Why? Because you feed them. So you feed the addiction. It's going to stay. It's not leaving. It's going to stay. Unless you do what I've done. Don't feed it as much. (laughs) They never leave though. They never leave. They don't go away automatically or mysteriously. They end up hurting others. They end up hurting you. And and if we let these addictions stay in control, we're going to miss God's best plan for our life. But God's faithful and He wants the best for us. And He's never going to leave us. Even in the midst of our addictions, He's not going to leave us. 
A verse that I want us to use for our series verse is found in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. I want us all to read it together. It starts with God. Are you ready? God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. And when you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. Oh, I love that. If, if, there's, if there's a verse that you need to memorize, it's this one. And when temptations come and when addiction, addictive behaviors start to rise, start quoting that verse. It'll help you. I guarantee it'll help you. Okay? But I want you to underline the phrase, He will show you a way out. Because He will. He will. Now down at the very bottom of that page, I want you to write the two words, Break free. Because I want to give you some biblical steps on how you can break free from whatever destructive habit has you in its control. Let's begin with the first one. Write it down. Number one, begin today. Begin today. You see, there's no time like the present. There's never more true, that's never more true when it comes to breaking free from destructive habits. And here's why. The very nature of a destructive habit is that it gets stronger the longer it goes on. It gets stronger the longer it goes on. So break it. Our trainer at the gym is always telling us, go heavy, go heavy. And I keep saying, no, don't go heavy. No, don't go heavy. But I keep trying. I keep trying to go a little bit heavier than I was. It's really frustrating when a little bitty girl who's as big as my left leg grabs weight, you know, more than I do and just throws it around like it's just a, a, you know, a dust mop. But then she's as big as my left leg. You know what I mean? She's a little bitty girl. But sometimes we've got to do a little bit more. But if you... Let that destructive habit hang on. It's going to get stronger. does more damage. We keep putting it off. It gets harder to stop. The longer you put it off, the more entrenched it becomes. But if you're serious about breaking the bondage of addiction, the bondage of whatever it is, the habit that has you, it's time to start. It's right now. Amen? The time to start is right now. Procrastination makes the habit, the addiction, stronger and harder to get rid of. I had a doctor when I was 26... He told me, he said, when you are 40, you will regret the lifestyle you've chosen at 26. I said, really? He said, yes. For instance, you can't go to an all-you-can-eat place. I said, why? Because you take them serious, he said. (laughs) When I was 42, I saw him again. I told him what he told me at 26. He was a young doctor then. He said, oh, I can't believe I said that to you. And then he, then he stopped and he looked and he says, was I right? I said, yes, sir, you were. Heed the warning in your own life. You can make the changes. Oh, trust me, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can do it. But will you make a commitment today? You know, it might be messy. I understand that there's never a perfect time. But I can assure you, according to Ecclesiastes 11.4, if you wait for perfect conditions, you will never get anything done. Quit putting it off. 
person who really wants to change finds a way. person who doesn't want to change finds an excuse. Which one are you at? Begin today. And that leads us to the second step to break free. And that's refuse to blame others. What does that mean? Well, it means simply two words. Take responsibility. If I overeat, it's not Cindy's fault. If I overeat, it's not Geneva's fault. Well, she's the one who took me to Western Sizzling. She was driving. I didn't know where we was going. You see what I'm saying? It's really not even her fault. You know whose fault it is? It's Golden Corral's fault. That's who it is. It's Golden Corral's fault. Because as soon as you walk in, to the right is all the desserts. To the left is all that steak and meat and food. And in the center is the bread. And on the far left that you can't see is the salad. And then who really cares? You think they're strategic in how they put all that out there? Oh, yeah. Now you're saying, how does he know that? Been through that door a few times. And they haven't changed the way they do it. That's why I don't go in there very often. I hold up a cross every time I drive by, golden crap. <laughs> of course, it's across the street from Union High School. I hold another cross up like this. I mean, <laughs> double trouble. Take responsibility. Come on now. Take responsibility. You know, the blame game is as old as Adam and Eve, right? Adam sins and he looks, you know, he becomes the man that he's supposed to be and he looks for somebody to blame, so he blames his wife. Eve turns around and who does she blame? She blames the snake. And the snake had, he didn't have two legs to stand on. <laughs> But here's the thing. I'll never break free from my addiction until I realize it's my responsibility. It's my responsibility. I need to take ownership of it. It's not my parents' fault. It's not my boss's fault. It's not my circumstances' fault. It's not anybody's fault. It's going to look in the mirror. It's that guy's fault. It's that person's fault. Take responsibility for it. Boy, if there's ever a message that needs to be heard today, especially in the lives of young people, is take responsibility. If you screw up, say so. Don't find a way to blame other people. Whoever loses that game today, they're going to find somebody else to blame. They're going to find somebody else to blame. But there's nobody else to blame. You either played your position and you won that play, play after play after play, or you lost. It's that simple. Take responsibility. Proverbs 19.3, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness and then get angry at God. And they get angry at the Lord. You ever done that? You ever done something stupid and then blame God for it? Well, why'd you put that in front of me? Life happens. Life happens. I know where Brahms is. I can drive over there every day if I want to. But I choose not to. I'm just glad I don't live over where Geneva does. I'd have to drive by it every day. It'd be hard to not... 
And then Merritt's Bakery's across the street. This is wrong, people, that I know where all this stuff is. See, it's getting close to noon. You're all going, would you shut up about food? Okay. <laughs> takes us to the third way to break free is to examine my life. Examine my life. It's a big one. Sometimes we just got to take a hard, long look in the mirror, don't we? Take some personal inventory, honest evaluation. Ask yourself questions like, where is it that I'm tempted the most? Where is it where I keep doing something over and over again and I know it's not right? I don't want to do it. Where is it that I've gotten off the path? Where where is it that I stopped obeying God? Lamentations chapter 3 says, let us test and examine our ways. Underline that word, test. And also the word examine. You know, that's what God wants to do. He wants us to test ourselves, to examine our life, to look in the mirror and, and say, let's turn again in repentance to the Lord. And let's see what's going on. If you ever hope to change, if you ever hope to make those changes, you've got to stop pretending that everything's okay. Because it's really not. It's really not. You can't continue to cover up your addictions forever. Eventually, they're going to jump up and they're going to hurt you and hurt others around you. Just admit you got a problem. If you'll admit your, your addiction, you admit that you're weak, God's saying, I'll come in. I'll forgive you. I'll wipe the slate clean. I'll clean you up. I'll bring power. I'll bring peace. I'll bring presence. I'll give you the strength to help you overcome it. All you need to do is that in that evaluation is go on your knees and pray out to God for forgiveness. And boy, great things can come. Great things can come. What caused me to lose 60 pounds and keep it off for over two years is I realized that my witness for God was not what it needed to be. In the final day, God's going to look down from His throne and say, Hey, Harold, why should I let you in? You didn't really show anybody the way to go, did you? Mm-hmm. Next step. Ask Jesus to take over my life. Break free. Ask Jesus to take over my life. The only way you can ever beat a habit Beat an addiction is to let Jesus take over your life. Remember, surrendering oneself to something obsessively and habitually, that's our definition. But the real reason it's such a big deal is because God created us so that we would surrender ourselves to only one thing, and that's to His Son, Jesus Christ. And if you'll learn to surrender to Him, you'll have the rest of it under control. It's really amazing. And it's not a hard thing. But the key to getting free from your addiction is choosing the right thing to surrender your life to. You're controlled controlled by your boss. You're controlled by work. You're controlled by schedules. You're controlled by drugs, alcohol, sex, food, work. So you're controlled by something. But turn all those over to the Lord. And let God have control and see what happens. Hey, you'll never know because you've not tried it. If you want God to work on your addiction, the problems in your life, 
You've got to give Him your entire life. Look at Romans chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. It says, do not let sin control the way you live. Don't let sin control the way you live. Then it goes on to say, do not give in to its lustful desires. Do not let any part of your body become a tool of wickedness to be used for sinning. Then he goes on and says, instead, give yourselves completely. Completely. Circle that word completely. Give myself completely to God. Since you've been given new life and you use your whole body as a tool, do what's right for the glory of God and give Him control. Give Him control. When coaches are working with young people, And when they want to do it their way, there's always a conflict. But it's when those players will finally listen to the coach and do it the way the coach is trying to teach them, how much better it gets. How much better it gets. They even can become better athletes because that coach is teaching them for the first time the right way. The most powerful way. I'm telling you, we got to learn to surrender to God. <coughs> now, flip over. The next step is to keep away from the temptation. Keep away from the temptation. There's the K in break. Keep away from temptation. Seems like common sense, doesn't it? If you don't want to get stung by a bee, you don't go near the beehive. If you don't want to fall in the pool, don't tiptoe along the edge. If you don't want to get cut by a knife, don't run your finger along the blade. If you don't want to keep giving in to the same destructive habits, then, then you've got to learn to avoid those situations when you're tempted. Now, I have to admit, I've got a big temptation in mine's ice cream. Cindy knows that if she brings ice cream home, it will not be at home very long. If I open the freezer and there's ice cream hidden in the back behind all kinds of stuff, I can open the freezer door and just this audible voice from God says, Eat me. So I go digging through there and sure enough, there it is. Now being the strong strong, strong man that I am, I grab that ice cream and I put a full choke hold on it while I'm pulling the lid off. And I don't know about you, but I, I like mine a little softer than some, so I put it in the microwave, soften it up a little bit, get the spoon, and off to town we go. And she comes in and she goes, where's that ice cream? I said, I, I, I don't know. In other words, I can't have it at the house. If it's at the house, it will be consumed. It will. She says, you need to control yourself better. I said, maybe I do. That you need to quit bringing it home. She says, maybe I should. Anyway, back and forth we go. But I'm telling you, there's a temptation there that I have a difficult time working past if it's in my presence. So I don't know what yours is. If you're if if you have a problem with alcohol, don't go to a bar. I mean, just don't go. If you have a problem with food, don't go to a buffet. 
If you have a problem with ice cream, don't have any. But I can assure you, nothing will ever change if you don't have a four-letter word going on in your life. It is called P-L-A-N. Plan. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a plan. Amen? The reason Bryant is doing so well with this treatment is because he's taking care of himself. He's taking care of himself. And I believe that's one of the reasons why God's bringing the healing to him that he, that he is. I mean, it's... It's silly to be, wait till you're in the bedroom with your boyfriend or girlfriend wondering if you should have sex. What are you going to say? No, I think I'll just quit. <laughs> Baloney! Off you go! Don't stand in front of the freezer aisle at the grocery store that says ice cream on the little sign and stare at all of it because there's a whole lot of it. Have you noticed that where that is at Reesers? It's the first. Why didn't they put it on the back? Why didn't they put it in the very back? They've got it up in the front. All that ice cream. It starts at one end and goes all the way down to the other end. From top down to the bottom. Any kind, any brand. Woo, man. There's some that's even sugar free. Just move on past that and get on to the other stuff. Get to the pecan praline ones. Lord have mercy. I can feel the imminent return of Christ when I'm standing in front of those ice cream things. Proverbs 4, 26 and 27 says, Make out a straight path for your feet. Then stick to the plan and stay safe. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Wow. Next step. How we get to be free. Focus on something better. Focus on something better. God gave you a powerful mind. Your thoughts shape you, who you are, and they shape what you do. So in order to change your behavior, you first have to change what you focus on. Ephesians 4, 23 and 24 says, There must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. Wow. There must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. Paul is saying that you've got to think differently than you've ever thought before. I think differently about food than I used to. When we go out to eat, I look, I really do honestly think and contemplate what I'm about to eat more than I ever have. Sometimes I give in and I'll eat a fried, the fried stuff. But I'm trying more and more and more to eat less fried stuff and more baked or whatever. Grilled. Grilled stuff. Okay? Now I don't, people have told me, yeah, we'll go to Kentucky Fried and just peel the, peel the, uh, uh, you know, peel the skin off and just eat the chicken underneath. Really? Have you lost your mind? <laughs> there is no taste in chicken under that skin. But there's all kinds of taste with that skin and that chicken. Amen. <laughs> My mother didn't make fried chicken for me to pull the skin off. Never one time did she say, pull that skin off. <laughs> but I'm grateful the Kentucky Fried Chicken now makes grilled chicken. And that's what I get. But I can smell that other. Amen. South wind blows. McDonald's and I are good friends. I stand at the door. To... 
smell those french fries coming up this way. Glory to God. Refocus our attention. Let me give you for instance. If I say to you chocolate cake, I don't want you to think at all about chocolate cake. Don't even put your mind on chocolate cake. Now, Sherry, I don't want you to think about chocolate cake. Just, just, just wipe it out. Chocolate cake. Brother Kim, I don't want you to think about chocolate cake at all. What are you thinking about? Chocolate cake. Sure you are. Brahms. <laughs> I, left, I left him at Brahms two points ago, didn't I? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> See, it is what we refocus on. It's what we're focused on. So refocus. Refocus. Let something else capture your attention. Philippians 4 eight's a great verse to help you with that. Fix your thoughts on what is true, <clears throat> honorable, and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. There's this principle of replacement. Not in your notes, just write it down somewhere. The principle of replacement, you replace bad with good. That's the idea. Replacing bad with good. Okay? So it's really important. And when if you get involved in a fast, the fast is not so that you can... Beat yourself up about how much you're giving up. It's so, it's, it's when you realize that I'm hungry and I've given up that meal. Now I'm going to focus that time. I'm going to refocus my time in praying to God for a specific thing. You see what I'm saying? I'm going to call you to, to fast and pray as we move toward Easter. So be ready for that. But that's what that is. And you'll want to have scripture to fill in those spots. Now. The next one, turn your focus to God. And then the next one is a little, little trickier. It's called restore broken relationships. Restore broken relationships. Everything eventually, if we don't get it under control, is going to hurt somebody. Either ourselves or somebody else. Addictions cause us to manipulate people. Romans 12.18 says, Do your part to live in peace with everyone. As much as possible. See, that's really important that we understand that all we can do is the best we can to live at peace with everyone. They may not want to be at peace with you. Okay. But do the best you can to have that. Do the best you can to make that happen. But you don't want to restore a relationship that's been a problem for you. And in restoration of that relationship, hurt comes back to you or you inflict hurt on someone else. So be very wise, be very careful, be very prayerful in those restoration of, of relationships. And then the next step on the back of your, of your notes. Enlist the help of others. You know, the truth is we all need help. Amen? I can't break free unless others are helping me. And here's why having other people on a team help us is so important. As time passes, best intentions fade. You see, every week I I show up at, at the gym knowing that my little friend on the front row is going to be there. And if I don't show up, Missed you today. 
so I can come up with a lame excuse as to why I didn't show up to work out. So it's better just to go and endure the pain and all that because I've got somebody helping me be accountable. You see what I'm saying? Because we all need that. We need that in our life. Amen? We need somebody. And oftentimes, you guys on Wednesday nights, when you're watching me eat, if you don't think I should have what I'm supposed to have, you'll come by and just give me that look. Cindy's given you permission to give me that look. And some of you are even so bold as to take my hand and slap it. No, you can't have that. Some will come by and will take my plate away from me. I've noticed you've done that too. Now at the moment, I pucker my lip and I look like I'm about to pass out. But ultimately, inside, I'm so grateful. Because I was at a weak moment. You see what I'm saying? We all need that. It's okay. It's great. It shows that you care and you love about love somebody, right? That's what it means. It doesn't mean that you kill joy trying to steal everything. <laughs> the Bible says that pride comes before what? Fall. Every time. Every time. You get prideful. You think you got it. Think you've got it under control. <laughs> you need continual help of people who will step in and love you enough to say something to you. Help you get back on track and stay on track. And ask God to help you. You know, sometimes you need more help than just a friend can give you. You may need a professional counselor. You know, and that's okay. That is really okay. Nothing wrong with that. And there's some that I could recommend to you, some good, some great Christian counselors that I know. So if that's something that you need, you know, by all means, let me know. Let's get you to them because I'll guarantee you they can help. I'll guarantee you they can help. Okay? Because we have zero chance of breaking free from any habit if we think we can do it on our own. It ain't going to happen. It will not happen. You're going to need the help and the enlistment of somebody else to help you, part of your team. Always remember that we're a church that's forgiven here. We're a church that's uh, full of sinners. Uh, We are a hospital for the sick. We're not a hotel for the sanctified. And so we need to do our best to love people the way Jesus does because we're all sinners in the need of grace and need of forgiveness. Amen? We're all in the same boat. And if you're perfect, join another church because <laughs> you're going to mess it up for the rest of us around here. In Ecclesiastes 4, it says, Two people can accomplish more than twice as much as one. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But people who are alone, when they fall, are in real trouble. You need somebody to help you. Then the last step, expect God to bring the victory. Expect God to bring the victory. Once you've surrendered it to him, great things are going to happen. Paul helps us understand that better in in the last part of chapter 7 of Romans when he says, why do I keep doing the things that I don't want to do? Why, when I say I'm not going to do it, do I go ahead and do it? Why do I not do the things that I say I'm going to do? And then he goes on to say, what a miserable person I am. And he finishes by saying, Who will set me free from the life that's dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You've got no hope. No hope without Jesus Christ in your life. You can try. You can work. You can enroll. You can say. But until you actually do it, 
nothing's going to change. That passage in Colossians 3 that we read earlier. Let's read it again together. You have put off the old self with its habits and have put on the new self. This is the new being which God, His Creator, is constantly renewing in His own image in order to bring you to a full knowledge of Himself. Constantly renewing in His own image. Man, that's powerful. That is powerful. I don't know what you've got control in your life. I don't know what you need to turn loose of. But God is ready to help you. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for these that are here today. I'm praying that you will move in a mighty way in their life. And God, whatever it is that they're addicted to, we'll just put a blank there. Because God, we know that you and you alone can help overcome that. And Father, we love you. And thank you for loving us the way you do. In Jesus' name, amen.